tryna reel it in, so tell him pay me My brother took offense, I told him he was lazy I been tryna make it out before they slay me It be the ones you least suspect this shit be crazy Told him I was built to win, quit and name me I could give a fuck about what they rate me We used to be so in love, now she hate me Like she ain't want a nigga, baby, this shit crazy When and did that shit again, I put it all in My brother's only one's gonna catch me if I fall in I used to want Welcome back to the third episode of Legal Feats. This is your host, the Golden One. On this episode, we're gonna take a deep dive into trademarks. While we're looking at trademarks, we're gonna examine what is a trademark, what are some types of trademark violations that are common, and what are some exceptions to these trademark claims that could be levied against you. Additionally, while we're looking at this, we hope to provide some interesting examples of how trademarks have been applied within the sneaker industry. So before we can go any further, first we need to establish what is a trademark? A trademark is a type of intellectual property that provides protection for any word, phrase, symbol, design, or combination of them that helps distinguish a company's product from others within the same industry. While there's both state and federal trademark laws, this podcast will mostly be on the federal trademark. Our current federal trademark protections and regulations were established in the Lanham Act of 1946. Now, this act laid out a multitude of things, one of which being the two basic requirements that need to be met in order for something to be eligible for trademark protection. Those two requirements being the mark must be used in commerce and that the mark must be distinctive. Now, a distinctive logo is fairly simple. It's a design that allows consumers to identify your product from others. Think Nike shoes. However, the requirement of a distinctive trademarkable word is a little bit more amorphous than a mark. Like, it can be satisfied as long as this word falls into at least one of these four categories. Fanciful, arbitrary, suggestive, or descriptive with a secondary meaning. Now, a fanciful word is a word that has been made especially for this product, such as Clorox or Adidas. An arbitrary word is a word that exists but has no relationship to the particular product it is being used to identify, such as Nike, the Greek goddess of victory, being used to sell athletic apparel, or Apple being used to sell computers and iPhones. A suggestive word is a word that suggests the features of a product, but is not descriptive of the product, such as Under Armour being suggestive of sports apparel that is worn underneath one's uniform for additional support when competing, or Copper Tone being used to suggest suntan oil. They don't describe what the product is, but it can be 
suggested by the words used what the product is offering. The last category is descriptive with a secondary meaning. This is a word that describes the product while developing a secondary meaning or association in the mind of the consumers, such as Weight Watchers describing what the product is, but developing a secondary meaning for a particular company in the minds of those consumers. Or KFC. It describes the product that is being sold to them, but it has also developed a secondary meaning for a particular fast food chain So now, where we've been talking about trademark infringement as this sort of catch-all, infringement does come in a multitude of forms slash sub-elements, such as counterfeiting, cyber squatting, trademark dilution, passing off, and false advertising. The first form, counterfeiting, very simple, we all know. But it is the act of making an exact copy of a trademark product and trying to pass it off as the genuine article, deceiving the consumer. The second form is cyber squatting. Cyber squatting is when someone registers a domain name that is identical or very similar to another's trademark name. Now... In the early days of the internet, this was kind of left unchecked because you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. However, 
the Anti-Cyber Squatting Consumer Protection Act of 1999 outlawed this practice to prevent from taking advantage of registering a domain name and then trying to essentially extort a company for the maximum amount of money for them to buy it back. The next one is trademark dilution. Trademark dilution refers to the use of a trademark or trade in commerce that is close enough to a famous mark that it would create confusion amongst the consumer base, diminishing the public's perception of that famous mark. In order to qualify for the argument of trademark dilution, the mark in question must be famous beyond that of a niche community or simply distinctive enough. Companies such as Nike would qualify for a trade dilution argument because they are an international brand that is widely recognized, but a more localized brand would have a harder time making the argument for trade dilution as the scope in which it is famous is very niche in its demographic. The next sort of form of trademark infringement would be false advertising. False advertising is the act of making false or misleading statements in advertisements or promotional materials regarding the source or sponsorship of goods or services. Too much embellishment could lead into you falsely representing what your product is. The last form of trademark infringement we're going to talk about will be passing off. Passing off, at least to me as I understand it, seems to be a combination of false advertising and counterfeiting. Passing off is the use of a mark that is likely to create confusion amongst the consumers as to who is the source of this product and the sale or promotion of the product. I com- I mentally combine as false advertising and counterfeiting as it is the use of a mark that is so closely resembling to that of an already established mark that the consumer base, if not utilizing particular care in the separation of the products, could be confused or misrepresented as to which company is producing this product. And I think that would bleed into false advertising along the lines of misleading where the actual product is coming from. Finally, we're going to talk about some defenses that can be used against the trademark claim. The first one we're going to look at is the most generic, and that's the generic trademark. A generic trademark occurs when a trademark becomes so popular that the public begins to utilize the brand name 
in a generic manner to represent an entire category of goods instead of the specific company that the trademark was initially used for. Once a word becomes a generic term for a category, it is no longer afforded the trademark protections that prevent others in that category from using it. The next defense that could be used is fair use. Fair use is the use of another's trademark in a way that will not infringe upon the owner's rights. There are two types of fair use, though. Descriptive fair use and nominative fair use. Descriptive fair use permits the use of another's trademark to describe the user's product or services rather than as a trademark to indicate the source of the goods or services. For example, like having a shoe that has a Velcro strap on top of it would be a use of descriptive fair use as it indicates and describes that the shoe has Velcro on it and not that the company Velcro makes the shoe. Nominative fair use permits the use of another's trademark to refer to the trademark owner's goods or services associated with the mark. Generally, nominative fair use is permissible as long as it meets three requirements. One, the product or service in question is not readily identifiable without the use of the trademark. Two, only so much of the mark as reasonably necessary to identify the product is used and the use of the mark does not suggest sponsorship or endorsement by the trademark owner. A good example of this one would be uh, Auto Shop advertising that they repair BMWs and Benzes as nominative fair use or a sneaker customizer advertising that they like restore Jordans back to brand new. The last defense against a trademark claim that I'm going to talk about on this episode is the first sale doctrine. This exception is kind of the main exception that allows the sneaker resale business to keep businessing as usual as it allows for the resale of items bearing a trademark after the trademark owner has completed the first initial sale of it. So after that initial sale has been completed, the now owner of this item has the right to resell this item to others without it being an infringement upon the trademark held by the initial owner. The first sale doctrine is not all encompassing. There is an exception to that exception. That is being the material difference exception. The material difference exception holds that the first sale doctrine provides no protection to any unauthorized reseller that sells a product that is materially different from those that have been sold by authorized sellers of this trademarked good. And with that, this is your host T signing off. I appreciate y'all for tuning in to this week's episode and hope to see y'all again on the next one.